You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow a side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews. So let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We are back with another episode about how to create, sell, and market your physical products. And in the guest chair, we have a woman by the name of Agatha Achindu. I am so excited to dig into today's show, pun intended, because Agatha is not only a dedicated mom and entrepreneur, but also a chef and the creator of the Yummy Spoonfuls brand. As a child growing up in Cameroon, Agatha ate only the freshest organic foods from her family's gardens and local markets. But after her son's birth in 2004, she struggled to find meals for him which were just as delicious and nutritious. So that set her on her journey to create yummy spoonfuls. She was determined to create meals packed with healthy organic ingredients and nothing else. On today's show, we will get into all the details of her journey. Agatha shares the real deal about what went into creating a food product, getting the license to sell it, finding a place to manufacture it in bulk, and then getting it sold at major retailers like Target. Plus, she'll share how she partnered up with fellow mom and entrepreneur Camilla Alves to expand Yummy Spoonfuls and fulfill their collective vision of providing fresh, organic foods to babies and tots. Get ready to hear from Agatha in a second. But first, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks. Guys, FreshBooks recently unveiled an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned for exactly the way we work as side hustlers and entrepreneurs. It has the simplest system to track your clients, expenses, and projects. I've been using and loving FreshBooks from before I was Side Hustle Pro, but now that I've officially formed my business entity, I've been using FreshBooks to keep my business on track. And it's user-friendly and it has all the features you need to stay organized and get paid in a timely fashion. So with FreshBooks, you can create and send professional-looking invoices that make your clients take you seriously, set up online payments with just a couple of clicks, and then see when your client has seen your invoice so you can follow up and get paid on time. If you want to create and send branded invoices like me, FreshBooks has a special offer for my Side Hustle Pro listeners. You can get a free, unrestricted 30-day trial of FreshBooks. Just go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle pro and enter side hustle pro in the how did you hear about us section. Alrighty, enjoy. Now let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Agatha. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I just finished reading your bios, but tell us a little bit more about your background growing up in Cameroon. Did you always want to be a chef growing up? I honestly wanted to when I was a kid because I love, love, I love to cook. And I remember when I was nine years old, I actually made a three-layer cake from scratch. What? (laughs) That was not in the bio. I kid you not. Cooking is something that I love. And I remember sitting with my mother and telling her that I wanted to be a chef. And she looked at me 
And she was just like, oh, my Lord, please don't embarrass us. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, at home, you have to be an engineer, doctor, lawyer. Those are careers. When you talk about a chef back then, I mean, things have changed. I'm almost 50. So I'm talking a long time ago. But when you're talking about, oh, you want to be a cook. And in your house, you have a cook. So I could see my mom just thinking that's what she wants to do, that we have somebody at home mm-hmm. that we're actually paying to do that. And that was the end of that conversation. Of course, I went on, you know, went to college, came to America, got a wonderful job as an IT executive. But, you know, here I am. Right. Living my purpose. Yeah. So how long were you an IT executive and when did you finally start to think about entrepreneurship? I honestly didn't think about it. I never sat down and mapped out that, oh, I'm going to be, I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to do this now. I used to go around teaching moms how to make healthy food for their kids. Before I had kids, I used to teach my friends, like somebody who loves fried chicken. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, hey, I swear I can make this chicken for you in the oven and you won't know the difference. Or French fries. I would bake the French fries and put some Parmesan on it and put some parsley and they would not even realize that that French fries was baked. Mm -hmm. So forever I've been that go-to person that everybody comes to have their recipe made more wholesome. Mm. Yeah, this is what I love about you and your story, because I think nowadays entrepreneurship has become so hot that we overthink it and we're all making out plans and strategies. And you started out doing something you loved and it kind of naturally grew from there. Yes. And I tell anybody who's ready to listen that if you want to start a business, whatever it is that you want to start, It needs to come from a place of total passion, something that you'll be ready to do for free. My journey is a little bit different because I didn't plan. It's almost like this journey sought me out. I didn't go looking for it because when I really started doing this with the moms, I remember going to a local hospital here in Atlanta, 14 Regional Hospital, and I'm like, oh, I want to do a workshop. You know, they are all excited. Yeah, what's your business? At that point, I didn't have a business. I'm like, I don't have a business. I'm just, I'm just a mom, you know. But that little group grew to be 300 moms. Wow. That we would do workshop on my day of when I had time. And I wasn't charging anybody anything because I just knew in my heart that parents would do better when they know better. That, you know, I could really just show them a better option to make food at home to read labels, all these things that I took for granted because I I came from a different food culture. My friends here have grown just being a part of this food system. So it didn't look as odd to them. And when I started teaching workshops and it was almost like an awakening, like people were just like, oh my Lord, I didn't even realize baby food had a two-year shelf life. Wow. Yes, it does. That's why it is this way. And now I can't really talk. I'm not as verbal as I used to be because now I own a company, right? Right, We make the baby food. So you always have to be positive. But when I used to just be a mom who is frustrated, 
I would write letters to companies. I would march on the street. I would do anything. Wow. It's you know. funny that you say you can't be as vocal now that you own a brand. And, you know, it's everything you say is tied back to this brand and cast a shadow on it. I want to go backwards a little bit and talk about when did you finally feel like, OK, this is an idea worth pursuing? And did you side hustle at all before you finally quit the IT life and career? So the, the way that I side hustle was for free. When I used to do all this work, helping moms in the evenings. So you didn't actually build the products yet and try to start selling it yet? Let me think. That was 2006 when I left IT. And 2006 is when I launched. But you asked me the question, when did I really realize this could be a business? When we had 300 moms. And the, the, the weirdest thing about this was I would do a workshop. We would cook a batch. And I would share. So even though I wasn't charging them, I wasn't paying for my own food. Everybody would contribute $25 for that week and for that weekend. And we would cook two things because it was just me. I couldn't make more. But something would happen every time they go home. Even though I've taught them how to make this particular thing, say, for example, peas and butternut squash was something we used to do a lot. They would come back like, I swear, Agatha. I'm not making this up. My baby doesn't love it when I cook the same. I did everything the same way. I think my baby loves your own food. (laughs) You know, and it really, it crossed my mind that the convenience was a huge thing for them. To have freshly made food for your baby that you didn't have to do all the work. You know, you just reach into your freezer and bring it out was a big deal. And I just started at that point, I'm like, hmm, this could work, but I wasn't in business. I'm not a business major. I'm in IT. But one evening on the weekends, my husband usually plays soccer. This Saturday, it rained. And so he was home. So he became a part of this whole driving in and driving out that he hasn't seen before. And he was looking at me going, what is going on? (laughs) We live in a small community. At that time, it was six houses, only black people in there. And my husband is like, they are going to think we, we are selling crack. Whatever you're doing needs to stop. You need to pick it out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I went to the SBA and I'm like, I have a wonderful idea. I'm not even sure where to start. So I remember the person that I spoke to said, well, we have, there is a subset of the SBA, which is called, what is it? SCORE, retired executive who lend their time for free to help. So he scheduled me with one of these people. And I sat there explaining to the guy, I have a wonderful idea. I said, it's fresh, frozen, organic food just the same type of food that's made at home, the type of food that we make. I said, there is nothing in the market like this. And I know this can be made commercially. I'm not sure why nobody is doing it. And the guy's like, well, you know, a lot of moms, you you all want to change the world. We know what makes you think that people will want to buy this. I said, well, I have 300 moms. He's he's like, what do you mean you, you you know, 300 moms. I'm like, 
yes, is that a big deal? <laughs> and he's like, yes. So that was the beginning of that part of the journey in 2006. Wow. And it's so awesome that you had those 300 moms, not only to validate the idea, but like as your initial audience and champions, right? Yes. Yes. It really, it helps because there is one thing if you, especially for us in the food industry, right? It's different when you're cooking for just your friends and family, because even if somebody doesn't like something, they can be nice, But when you are cooking for people who are not friends, friends of friends, just random people, somebody will tell you like, you know what? I drove 30 miles to come over here. I give $25 for my batch. I don't like this. And we never had that. Everybody was just in awe. And so I knew, I just knew in my gut that every mom, regardless of status, wants their kid to eat healthy, wants their kid to be happy, and I just knew that if this, if I could bring this to the market, every mom who comes across this food is going to love it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a mother, it's the same type of high quality food I feed my kids. You really tapped into a problem. And that's one of the, I won't say it's a guarantee that your business will do well. It's, it's you know, execution plays into it too. But, you know, finding that problem and a solution for it is is such a good predictor of success. So now that you had the idea, you talked to SBA, your husband was like, get this out the garage. <laughs> how did you figure out, okay, how do I manufacture this and how do I ship it and, and, and have it on store shelves so it won't go bad? So... My whole life has been around fresh food. So I knew for a fact that I could make the food because freezing food is the oldest way of preserving food. That's what we do at home. Mm -hmm. So that was the easier part, getting this thing certified. Like I went to the USDA. Nobody in the Southeastern region had done that. So it wasn't an easy process. I, I took courses. Like I remember going to the USDA. They're like, well... You want to do baby food? Okay, you need to get, you need to do some canning certification. I remember going to New Mexico, University of New Mexico, trying to sort this out. I took a course when I came back and I sat down and we're talking about these. They're like, "Um, but your food is frozen. I'm like, yes, it is. So why did you take the canning class? Um, You said I should take the class. (laughs) There were all those little things because nobody really, I was a pioneer in this area. Uh So there wasn't like some set rules, but we were finally able to sort this out and got the organic certification and all that found a kitchen to supplies because that was the thing. I couldn't cook at home. So I had to find a kitchen. Then there was the insurance. There are all these things, Mm -hmm. but the moment that we had the kitchen and started cooking, making the food. I just knew that the, no, let me not, let me not say the hardest part. That part of getting a place like a kitchen that you could call like, oh my gosh, I'm making commercial food. I could breathe like, huh. And where do you even find a kitchen? Like people just have kitchens for rent? Like, (laughs) Now, and this is how God works, mm-hmm. because that's a good question. I remember the guy, the manager at 
Department of Agriculture. I was just like, where do I find a kitchen? So he gave me a list. He's like, well, um, let me just go into the database and find the kitchens that are certified organic that you can talk to. And that's how I went to different places. And I met this beautiful lady who was so nice to me. But it wasn't cheap because we were paying by the hour initially. So if I go in the kitchen and cook for 24 hours, I pay hourly for Uh it. But we eventually found another kitchen that was monthly. It's just, it's a journey. Uh But it's worth, I would do it again. Wasn't the easiest Talking about the kitchen reminds me of, you know, something another guest said on the show. She has several brands and one of them is a food product. And, you know, only after starting it and like they got a mention in the newspaper, then there was all this demand for it. And then came the notification that, hey, you actually can't sell this product that you're making at home. (laughs) So did you know that right away? And is that why you looked for a kitchen? I actually knew that right away. Okay. I knew that because when I went to the SBA initially, I had gone to the Department of Agriculture. I went to their website. They have a wealth of information there. And baby food is a little bit different than people when you make pies and things that you can just bake. You know, because I could see with the people who bake, you you could bake at home if it's not over $2,500. You don't have to find a commercial kitchen, those type of things. I I read about those, but for baby food, insurance is a big deal because you don't even want to step out there without insurance. And you can't have insurance without a certified kitchen. You can't cook. You can't have your license without a certified kitchen. So all those things came together. And how did you, did you, before you quit, like put away kind of a stash for this? Because it sounds really, you know, expensive to start out. Let me tell you, I just (laughs) did an interview with Crane. Mm -hmm. And it was that interview. It was, what is the one thing that you know today that you wish you knew then? And I talked about this, this whole financial side of it. The biggest mistake that I made when I left corporate America, I was credit worthy. I mean, I was living a six figure salary job, amazing credit, large credit lines, good savings, had ton of cash. So in my mind, I actually was just a well, to do this thing can take more than $500,000. I had this money. Mm-hmm. So let me just run with it. Two years later, a 401k completely gone, no savings, nothing. I don't have a job that's paying me. I'm doing this full time. So at this point, no bank will lend me any money. Wow. Unlike if I had gone to the bank when I had $500,000 cash, at that point, they'll give me a million dollars. So I tell people, The best time to borrow money when you're starting a business is when you have money. You rather have it and never use it than don't have it. And then you need it. That is a really, really smart piece of advice that no one's actually ever given on the show before. And it's such a good point, right? Like when you're broke and your credit's bad, no one's going to give you money. So then you, then you, yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what did you do? I mean, when did you start to really get yummy spoonfuls in front of regional retailers? And I see that you have a national direct ship program. How did that come to be? We, oh, that was but I mean, now we are in Target nationwide. But right. I remember <laughs> I remember going to Whole Foods. I had fasted. I know this sounds so lame, like, oh my gosh, but this worked for me. I pray. I pray a lot. I fasted for nine days. I did novenas every day. I'm like, Lord, I don't have money to go hire a huge marketing team. But you know for sure what I'm trying to do is make a difference in the lives of many. Let me go to this thing and let it work. I had a lady, Kim Kimberly. In Chicago, I had paid her some money to do a nice PowerPoint presentation for me. I had my back, went to Whole Foods. When I walked into Whole Foods Market, when I went to the original office, I remember sitting there, I had two samples. One was carrot, sweet potato, and broccoli. I had one veggie blend, and then the other one was a fruit, because I'm like, well, we'll do the veggie blend, we'll do the fruit. And I'm sitting there, the lady happens to have a baby, the director of sales at that time. And I remember her just sampling the food and she was just like, oh my Lord, (laughs) I have never tasted anything this good. And I'm sitting there smiling. I'm like, I told you. Then the guy, Vince, that was his name. I think he's like the VP of sales happens to be in the regional office and was walking by and she called him. She's like, oh, come and try this. Give him a spoon. And he dig in and head. And he was like, oh, what is this? Is this Italian eyes? <laughs> and she's like, no, it's baby food. That's how we got into Whole Foods. I never even did the presentation. Wow. I never took it out the bag. Wait, but to backtrack a little, how did you get the meeting with Whole Foods? Did you just walk in or, you know, you had to do some cold oh, calling? I wish you could, you, you could walk in. You, you can walk in. <laughs> I called and scheduled. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this is the thing. This is one thing. I tell people, I mean, now I know this, you know, but I tell people sometimes you don't have to pedal. You don't have to talk to everybody. But as a small business, as a startup, you're always so nervous you're thinking you can't go to the top, but sometimes going to the top is the easiest part because it doesn't hurt. I actually had called, I called a couple of times mm-hmm. and set up a meeting and that was it. I like that. Just go straight to the top, like stop, yes. stop, you know, get your, yes. get your story together first. Yes. <laughs> don't get, don't yes. stumble, but you know, I do like that approach. I've I've seen that in one of your interviews before. And I'm like, aha, especially nowadays with LinkedIn, when you're trying to look at who to connect with, go for the top. Yes. Yes. It's, I mean, you don't need to talk to 15 different salespeople. Those are not the decision makers. Right. Look for the decision maker. Even if it's not the very top, try cut through the, there's just so much. Yep. People waste your time. And it's a phone call. They will say yes or no. So now that you had it in stores or we're beginning those relationships, I want to talk a little bit about 
marketing and finding your target audience because yes, most moms want the best for their children, right? But there are lots of people who are fine with the baby food products that were on the market. <laughs> so how did you tap into those with the same desire for organic baby food? Get the word out. Did you start hiring a team at this point? No, at the beginning, I honestly couldn't afford to hire a team. I had people that would help me, that we cook. So the cooking, because we couldn't avoid it, I needed many hands to cook because everything is made from scratch. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that worked for me, the moms who would buy the product instantly become advocates for the brand. And because I used to teach moms how to make this food for free, the authenticity for why I was doing this was stronger because it wasn't like, oh, I woke up one day and like, oh, this could be a business and did this. I genuinely believe that I'm making a difference. And that little, I remember one day just getting up and looking at my Instagram page and I'm like, oh, what happened? It was 600. Now I have 7,000. <laughs> and then it's 20,000. And then it's 30,000. And then it's 40,000. Yeah. Right. The word gets around. Yes. But one big changer for me when Yummy Spoonfuls was voted best baby food in the US. And it's funny because I remember then when Cookie Magazine reached out, we want samples. I told my husband, like, oh, please, I'm not going to send samples because, I mean, our packaging was cheesy. <laughs> you know, we didn't have anything fancy. The only thing that was fancy was our product yeah. in the crazy package, right? And then you have all these big brands mm -hmm. that had the best flashy and this. But my husband is like, Georgie's is like, what do you have to lose? And I'm like, well, okay. So sent the samples. Then a couple of months later, I remember getting a call like you guys won out of all 12 leading brands. Wow. And I'm like, we what? <laughs> so that's how we ended up on CNN for the oh first time. Oh my gosh. Now, now was, oh my gosh. Yeah, I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're on CNN. You were talking about your cheesy packaging. How did you scale fast enough to meet this new demand? It's one of those things that, you know, you're happy and you're sad because every time you have a badge, I remember we would put, there was this particular Whole Foods that we would take 32 cases of food in. And two days later, they're like, we're out of food. Mm -hmm. Like people were just waiting. Oh my gosh. And getting food. And I would just sit on the floor and cry and cry. Because I'm thinking, how am I going to make all this food? How am I going to make all this food? Because again, we're still so small. You don't have enough money to buy all the equipment that you need to automate the process. You just have enough to go by. So at this point, we were actively looking for a business partner. We're looking for funding. But as crazy as this may sound, I would turn down offers because you would sit in the meeting and you're excited like, oh, 
you're getting seven hundred thousand dollars. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And then somebody will say something that just rings at the back of my head. I'm like, oh, it's not the mission. Mm-hmm. It's the money. And I would look at George's and I'm like, this is not for us. And, you know, I just knew that I would have to, success will have to come the right way if it is mine. It will have to come the right way. I can't just, it, it can't, it has to, this money needs to do good. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I didn't want to bring a partner in who all have people fund the business who then one year later, they're like, you know what? We love this idea of fresh food, but um, it's a lot easier to do the other type of food. Let's do that one. Right, right. And when they gave you money, you have to listen to them, at least somewhat. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's something that, you know, every time someone who has gotten investment comes on the show, I do like to ask about because as uh, my friend Stephanie Thomas, who is a venture capitalist, will say, not all money is good money. (laughs) And you really, really, you can't be afraid to say no to money because you might find yourself really compromising your mission. Yes. And to me, the purpose of why I'm doing this is bigger than the money. I'm just blessed that I'm making money living this purpose, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And that it really comes through in everything you do. You know, every time I read or anything that I've read about you or heard you speak, like it really, really comes through. And that's what, you know, I love about what you're building. And also it's it's just awesome. <laughs> but speaking of turning down money now, when did you start to reap the profit from your business? And what were the first things you invested back into your business? I'm particularly interested about when it goes from like small mom and pop, and maybe it still is, you know, you're still hand making it with a small team, but when does it get to the level that you can, you can supply to Target and not run out in two days? You can supply to Whole Foods and not run out. So... This actually, if you can think, and the reason that I'm going to stress this, so for whoever will be listening, to just know that success sometimes is not overnight because we started in 2006. 2012, we were, I don't want to say making a lot of money, but 2012, we were at a place where the business was paying for itself. So the business would pay the kitchen rent, we pay the insurance and all that. And then I would take a tiny salary. We were in taking money from judges walking and borrowing and this by 2012. But 2015, finally found a business partner that we shared the same vision, Camilla. And at this point, we went, presented to Target and Target loved. They come said they went online, saw the wonderful reviews that Yummy Spoonfuls already have on Amazon and all these different testimonials. So they picked us up and then started a whole other leg of the journey because we spoke honestly, and I'm not kidding, to over 150 manufacturers trying to find somebody to make our food 
to make the food fresh. And they all, I mean, they would ask us questions like, why do you want to make it fresh? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. And people very, I mean, they're just like, our, our facility cannot handle fresh food. It needs to be purees. It needs to be, and we're like, yeah, we know. We don't want purees. We want to make it from scratch. So we ended up looking for a manufacturer who makes food for adults because adult food, and this is what gets me in America, a peas should be peas. Apples should be apples, right? If you can yes. make apples for adults, you should be able to steam it and puree it for. Anyway, don't even take me down that road. But we finally had to buy the machine to fill the pouches, went all the way to Holland and put it in this facility where this manufacturer makes adult food from scratch so we could make baby food from scratch. That took us eight months. That is incredible. Yes. And I remember Camilla and I would see, we'll be looking at each other. I mean, she's from Brazil. Yeah. You know, and I'm from Cameroon. And we're looking at each other going, this America is something. (laughs) You know? It was just, it was mind-blowing. But to me, when I talk about success, it's not the money. Success to me today is that I could actually prove that fresh frozen food for babies can be made commercially in America. So my hope is that down 10 years from today, it might be five, who knows? Fresh frozen food would be the only type of baby food because parents are demanding better. And now it's been proven because there was almost like there was this myth that you couldn't do it Mm -hmm. because nobody was doing it, right? You would have companies in small subsets in little regions that's doing it. So it was like, well, you can make food fresh for baby in large quantities. Okay, that myth You can't use that anymore because we're doing it. That to me is the biggest success, even if nothing adds to this story. That is just amazing. And it really makes me think about just how much crap we're eating (laughs) because of how much of a struggle it was for you to get fresh food into the mouths of babies, you know, the future. So thank you for all that you do. I would love to know how you're continuing to grow your brand. Oh my gosh. Now it's just, it's, we are in a beautiful place. We have an amazing, amazing CEO. Isn't that funny? Like at one point I was everything. I was the marketing. I was the sales. I was the this. And today we have a director of marketing. We have a CEO. We have a VP of sales. We have, I have a wonderful business partner. I mean, we have a wonderful team. And are they all based in Atlanta or different places? No, they are in different places, but now we're setting up shop in San Francisco because our wonderful CEO is there and our accountant is there and our director of marketing is there. So we're beginning to have enough people in San Francisco and our kitchen, we make food in California, in LA. Okay. 
So it really just works well. And we continue. What we are focused on is really changing how food is made in America. So we are looking, going into, into the market, seeing the white space, and just putting healthy things in it. So if you think in your mind that, oh my gosh, if you're looking at something, let's say, for example, pasta sauce, and you're like, oh, wow, it has 10 ingredients, or mac and cheese, it has all these many ingredients, then that's something that down the road, we would come in and clean it up. We want to make the type of food that when you look at the label, you feel good about eating it yourself or giving it to your kids because there is no crap in right. it. Yes. Well, now I, I look forward and have hope to have children now that I can feed them good things on the run. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, so, it's so funny because I always I, I tell parents, it's we want to make life easy. Parenting is so hard. It shouldn't have any shaming game. Which is, I mean, if, if you're a parent, you know, like there was this whole thing with breastfeeding, shaming this, and oh, you can breastfeed, or you can't. And it's almost the same with baby food because you have a lot of parents who make food at home for their babies. I am one of those parents. Like everything we eat at home is made from scratch, but not everybody can do that. So with yummy spoonfuls, we do it just the same way, like homemade. So there is no guilt if you don't feel like cooking and you want to give your child a certain type of food, right? You don't have to feel like, oh my gosh, I wish I could make the food. Mm -hmm. Because then you can actually just reach in the freezer of your local Target and grab it. It's the same like homemade. Nothing, nothing added to it. I am so, so, I love it. I love it. All righty. At this stage, we transition to what I like to call the lightning round, although it never goes that fast, but <laughs> I still call it that. <laughs> and you basically will answer the first thing that comes to mind. So are you ready for the challenge? Uh, um, I, guess I, am. I don't know about that. All right. Well, you know, here, let's try it out. All righty. Okay. So number one, what's been the best business book or podcast or conference or anything that you've consumed this year? This year. And this should be, this is the, this is the lightning. This is the thing that should go like lightning. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the best podcast or book. I think the best book and I read this book before and I, I read it again and I read it, read it. I think it's Beating the Food Giant. That's the book. Beating the Food Giant. Interesting. All righty. Yes. I'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah. I think, I think that's the book. Number two, who inspires you and why? My mother. Um, because, oh, this is, this always will make me so emotional. I'm sorry. My mom, because she gave 
everything that she had for us. So I always, in my heart, wants to be the type of mother that she was to us. That goes without, yeah. I I get emotional too, thinking of my mom. (laughs) Number three, who is your favorite chef or restaurant? My favorite chef is, I think her name is Ina. I-N-A, I don't know my accent, how they pronounce that. She used to be on food, the cooking channel a million years ago. Ah. I think it's Aina Gad, what? I don't know how they pronounce her name. I would have to look it up and send it to you. Okay. But it's either Ina or Aina. She used to have, her show used to be called Barefoot Contessa. I will look it up. Barefoot Contessa. Okay. I don't know I feel like that, that are, sounds really, really familiar. I feel like that's still on TV, no? <laughs> I think she is. It might be yeah. she is, but... Okay. I really, I cook a lot, but I like very, I like people who cook easy. And that was one person that I could see on TV who cook like normal food. Because every time when you, people cook, they make it so complicated. You want to boil rice. It's like, oh, if I did this, that. If a recipe has more than 10 ingredients, I'm closing the book. I'm turning off the TV. (laughs) So if you ever, if you see my food on Instagram, if you see the food, the things I post, I mean, I make things with five ingredients. It's a whole meal and it's delicious. I cook a lot, so I don't eat out too much, but there is an organic Thai restaurant, Le Thai, that I love now and then I would take the kids. We would go there and we would eat and drink jasmine tea. But um, I'm, I'm my best chef. I know. I was going to say, you can't say yourself. <laughs> I was curious about that. That was a special question just for you. Because I'm like, I wonder who her favorite chef is. Alrighty, Number four, what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? I pray a lot. Like, I pray about everything. That said, the habit... And this is a habit because we we form habits. The habit that has been the most useful to me is hard work because it really does pay off. I have worked. There are times I would go for months, two, three months, back in the day when there was no help but us. And I wouldn't watch TV. Nothing. Like, I would walk 18 hours and I just knew there is no way you can work this hard productively this hard and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work out if there is one thing you want to take out from this conversation it would be hard work amen amen to that and then number five what's some parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are worried about walking away from their own careers? I First, I think you really have to ask yourself, this will be something that only you can answer. And I think I talked about this earlier. Are you passionate enough 
to do this for free because that will be the one thing that gets you up in the morning, gets you up to keep pushing even when there is no reason to push, but just because you really love it. And then weigh the risk, like I'm quitting my job to do this. Is this thing that I want to do, is it worth it? And then fully, fully commit to it. Success would have to come with commitment for everything else. What is a relationship? What you really have to give it your all. And one thing that as mothers, we carry this guilt. It's almost like we we can't we can't we 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 are not supposed to be happy. Don't let guilt, motherhood guilt, rob you from your purpose because you can you can be a wonderful mother and a wonderful business owner and a wonderful wife because you we owe it to ourselves to live loudly live vibrantly and live happily even as mothers what a wonderful wonderful note to end on and you know, we, we, funny enough, we didn't touch on the fact that you are a mom and definitely were balancing all of that while starting up this business. But we can see from the outcome and where you are now that you were successful. <laughs> yeah, it, it did work with, with some cries. And I, I told people, like, I, there are days I would cry because, you know, I, I'm one person. I can be in a million different places. You know, then I miss something in school or my son, my youngest is crying because I'm on the plane again. And, you know, and I was sitting the plane, I'll cry, but that's the difference. So I'm not stopping myself from doing what I have to do. It's okay to cry. Yeah, we have to we have to let those tears come and keep it moving. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. They're going right. to come. Alrighty, so what's the best way that we can connect with you after this episode that we can see these five ingredient recipes that you claim to have? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God, you know, we've spoken. First, I want to tell people, like for all the busy parents out there who want to feed their kids delicious, wholesome food and don't have the time, let them remember there is yummy spoonfuls and we are in the freezer section of local target stores and we have i think at this point 32 skews we have food for tarts amazing we have four new amazing flavors so please guys check it out if you are trying to find easy recipes whether you decide you know what i don't want my kids to drink soda what can i replace it with i have all type of fun healthy stuff on ig on my facebook page I think my Facebook is Agatha Achindu Official. My IG is Agatha Achindu. Yummy Spoonfuls website. We have recipes there as well. www.yummyspoonfuls.com. On my website, agathaachindu.com, I have recipes there. I am always willing and ready to share a recipe. 
I've been checking it out and I have a lot bookmarked, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for all that you do, for all that you share and have created. And thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair today. Thank you so much for having me. And there you have it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week.